And it was a question that Jesus asked. Uh, when I, and I, I, it's such a great question. It's right after um, John the Baptist says, you know, behold the Lamb of God in John chapter 1, seeing Jesus. And two of the disciples of John the Baptist begin to follow Jesus. And as they're walking after him, Jesus turns and looks at them and says, what do you want? And uh, to me, it's like a great question. And their response is, where are you staying? And I told you last week, I think they choked the response because if Jesus, the one who created everything, as, as John the Apostle wrote uh, in, in John 1, asks you the question, what do you want? You, you could probably do better than answering with a question. So, uh, so we talked about that, and I said to you that, you know, I think the, the answer to that question, the best answer is, Lord, I want what you want. And that, that's really where we start finding life. Well, today I want to look at another question Jesus asks. And it's designed to get us thinking. And I think that's very helpful in times like this. So we're going to dig into that in just a moment. And we're going to be looking at that together. Um, but that's intro. Bad joke. Always do bad jokes here. So sorry for all you guys that are visiting. They're really bad. But if I don't do them, people complain. What did one eye say to the other eye? Between you and me, something smells around here. Thank you very much. Always a hit with the younger folks. We're going to be talking about bread a little bit tonight, so I thought this might work. Uh, what did one slice of bread say to the other slice of bread when he saw some butter and jam on the table? We're toast. <laughs> Scripture reading here on purpose, John 6, 5 through 15. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And that's the question that he asks. And he asks this, it says in verse 6, only to test him, for I already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. And there was plenty of grass in that place. And the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. And Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So back in verse 5, it says, Jesus looked up, saw a great crowd coming toward him, and he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? So that's the question. Jesus asked it to get his disciples to think, because um, he already knew the answer. We, we know from the following verse, and I'll read it to you again in a minute, that he had in mind what he wanted to do, but he's always sort of training his disciples. He's always trying to get them to think outside the, the, the sort of box that they put themselves in. And we talk about this a lot. We often get ourselves with a very narrow focus in life because we tend to put ourselves in the center of our own stories. 
And when we're in the center of the story, we're missing all the bigger things that God is doing because, as I've told you many times, this is His story. We're part of His story, not the other way around. And He's the noun of the story. We're the adjectives in the story. It's great to be an adjective in His story because you get to go around and describe who Jesus is, but it's His story. And so it's constant for us to try and remember we're not the center of the story and, and Jesus is always teaching his guys this thing in the process. Uh, and um, it, it, he was trying to get them to think outside this very small perspective. He follows in verse 6. He asked this only to test them, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. So he's popping a question out there, and he's using it to sort of teach and to train and to help us along. And I, I think that he still does those things. He, he, will, he will give us situations in order to help us grow uh, and learn to trust Him. Because ultimately in this time, this uh, very temporary time that we're in, until we go to be with Him forever, one of the biggest things that He's doing in us is teaching us to trust Him. Because that's where we really begin to sort of relax and find life in the process. So the first thing that we have to figure out, and it's point number one in your notes, is are we going to do it our way or His way? Our way or His way? I probably should have told everybody here there's bulletins in the back, but we forgot. Anyway, they're in the back. We just got our bulletins back and running again. We haven't had them for four weeks, so uh, we printed them, and I already forgot to tell everybody. So are we going to do it our way or his way? And we talk here all the time about living by doing the next right thing. I tell you, that's sort of the, the, you know, the easy way to say, wow, what am I supposed to do? Just keep doing the next right thing. You do the next right thing. You do the next right thing. If you mess up... Then you go back to the Father, and you get with Him, and you, you go, I didn't do the next right thing. And He goes, I know, I love you anyway, now go and do the next right thing. And this is how He teaches us and how we grow. But one of the big problems we have in, in not doing the next right thing is our tendency to forget to keep God in the equation of our lives. And this happens all the time. We, we forget to keep God in the mix of what's happening. We, we just sort of will take a situation and we'll just begin to throw what we have at it um, in our own thinking without taking time to stop and ask and seek and see if there's something bigger going on and trying to figure out what's happening. And so we, we forget um, to keep Him in the equation, and we just sort of move into situations. In uh, John 6, 3 through 5, it says, uh, Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with His disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward Him, he said to Philip, where should we buy bread for these people to eat? That's the question we're looking at. Verse 7, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, verse 8 and 9, Andrew, Simon Peter spoke up. Here's a boy, he says, with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? And ultimately, what we have to learn from this, I'm going to borrow from another passage, Luke 137, that nothing is impossible with God. That's the part about keeping him in the equation. So here's, here's a story that's happening is Jesus says, how are we going to feed these people, right? 5,000 plus uh, women and children. And um, Philip says, you couldn't, we couldn't, there's no way. Eight months, if we had eight months wages here, there wouldn't be enough to give each one a bite. And, and uh, Andrew, his, Simon Peter's brother, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two fish. How far will they go? All right, here's point number two, because this is where it gets interesting. What about me? And this is where we sort of get stuck a lot of times in the process. 
because our our tendency to try and figure everything out in our own strength and not keep God in the equation and not trust Him um, has keeps us in this very narrow focus where we're very limited in what we think we can do. So, you know, Andrew said, we could, even if we had eight months' wages, we couldn't make this happen. He's got a very narrow focus about what's happening, and yet he's, he's sitting there with Jesus. And they've already seen Jesus do a lot of stuff, but they're, they're not making the connection. They're not connecting the dots. And see, we got Jesus with us, too, and, and we sometimes don't make the connection of what's happening. But there's a little more detail about this backstory, a little more backstory about this whole process that I want to read to you from Matthew's Gospel. Same story, just for Matthew's take. And that's what I love that. The, you know, the Holy Spirit inspires these guys to write, and they all have their own sort of take in it as they're inspired by, inspired by the Spirit. So, Matthew 14, 15 through 17. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And then we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. So here's the, the real story that's going on. The disciples and Jesus have been ministering all day. And they've been pouring out, you know, and Jesus would teach his disciples, and they were doing the stuff, and they were there. And it got to the end of the day, and very naturally, the disciples were hungry. Um, you can relate to that, right? A lot of you guys worked really hard today. At the end of the day, you're hungry. You want something to eat. And, and so they know that they've got enough to feed themselves. My hope is that with, with the five loaves of bread and the two fish, what they figured out, there's 12 of them and Jesus, and hopefully they're going to feed the little boy that they grabbed the stuff from. <laughs> and so they figured out, out of this, we can make 14 fish sandwiches. We are good. But we don't want to eat in front of everybody else because that wasn't, they know that's not right either. So they said, hey, Jesus, send these people away. We're hungry. We want dinner. And we ain't got enough for everybody. So tell them to move on. And Jesus looks at them and, and he says uh, to, to them, folks, you give them something to eat. And they were like, well, what's the point? Because what we have, we know it's enough for us, but it's, you know, everybody's going to be hungry. At least if you send them away, we're not going to be hungry in the process. And, and, um, and so he's teaching them this. He says, look, you need to start seeing people the way that I do. It's not all about you, because they're hungry as well, spiritually and physically. And he's trying to connect the dots for them in the process. And so he's trying to teach his disciples to start thinking more like he does, which is what he's always trying to do with us. You think more like me, and then we get outside that narrow perspective that we get stuck in, and that we're used to living our lives in, and we learn that we can trust him. And so we break out of that trap of, what about me? Because that's a terrible trap. And, and we open the door then, and we get out of the way. If you've been coming here lately, that's something I've been saying to you. That's what happens here um, from the... The time we sort of came back, uh, you know, I came back on a Friday, the 15th. I know I've recounted this story, and I was working on the roof, and it was hot, and there was no electric, and there was no water, but God was there, and, you know, a couple of helped sent a couple of the perfect two guys to help me get that patched, and we uh, sent me another guy who helped me clean the refrigerators in the back. Oh. And uh, how many of you had to clean a refrigerator? That, so, um, and, and so we did that, you know, and that was Friday, and when I came back into town, I came here first. Uh, I had been evacuated, and I, I got here. I got, I got a little door open for me to come in early ahead of everybody else. I came here. It was a Friday morning. 
And uh, I pulled up into the parking lot at 8. And, you know, the place was wrecked, right? It still's wrecked out there, but it was more wrecked. We've been working on it now for a month when we can. It was wrecked. And, and um, I've been in this facility virtually every day for the last 30 years. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's where I've, it's, you know, since I was uh, 27, uh, I've been in this facility. I'm 57 now. And I've been here pretty much every day um, for that whole 30 years. So this is a, this is, you know, a huge part of me. I know it's just a building, but it's a huge part of me. And I came in, and it was, you know, it was just wrecked. And I spent that whole day here before I even went to my house. I didn't even know what my house was like. I'd seen some aerial pictures of my house. I'm like, I hope it's okay. Um, but there was so much to do here, you know, and I just, I, I wanted to, you know, the feeling, you, you just want to get something back. You're like, and it was, everything was a mess. And I'm like, so many years, so I wanted to get it back. And I was really sort of on that focus. And, and I, I went to my house later that day, and, you know, my roof held, and, and there was a mess over there too, but it wasn't like this. And so, you know, then I was back here Saturday, and we were trying to stop mold and do those things that everybody was doing, and no electricity, no water. And some of you had stayed, and I wanted to get with you, so we, we did church that Sunday morning. No electricity, no running water. It was hot. We didn't, you know, I think we finally got a generator running when it was over to make coffee that was too late. And uh, we had like two little tiny fans, and but it was so good just to be here with everybody. And then Monday, I was back here again, and all of a sudden, supplies started to show up, and, and got it, and, and I was here alone Monday, um, just kind of working, because everybody was busy, and they, and I was out in the parking lot, and people started dropping supplies off, and the first load of supplies they dropped off, they just dropped, whoever did just dropped them in the parking lot, and there was, it was just a big mess in the parking lot, and I was, I was here by myself, and I, I remember just kind of hanging out and talking to God, going, okay, and what do we do? Because I'd like it to go back to how it was. You know, I, I, I have a picture of what this looks like after 30 years. This is a whole new picture. And we just sort of did business out there. And, and I said, okay, I know you got it. I, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do, but I'm overwhelmed. And I, I went and grabbed four tables and put them out and started hauling stuff in here. That day, I think I told you, but TJ, she shows up. She's one of the locals that lives out here sometimes in a, in a variety of situations. And um, she showed up and started to help me just out of the blue. And I remember going, okay, God, you know, I get it. So that's what it looks like now. And, and uh, we started putting tables out and hauling stuff in. And all of a sudden, the, the heavens opened and stuff just showed up and people just showed up the next. So that was Monday. Tuesday, literally people came by helicopter to see us. I had, I had guys show up by helicopter. Guys were driving down, guys, men and women. Churches were showing up I'd never met. I met this whole new group of people that I'd never seen or, or known of. And all of a sudden, knew, and they were all saying, we're here to help. And they just sort of showed up. And out of that, all these things have happened over the last month that I, I can't even imagine. We couldn't have figured it out if we'd have tried or organized it to make it happen. It just started happening. But it was sort of that moment. It was just like, open the door and get out of the way. Okay, I can do that. I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> he didn't say open the door and like sit around and don't do nothing. That didn't happen. But it was open the door, stay out of the way. And he just started to do it. And so that, that next thing that I think applies, point three, is you just have to be willing to use what you have. So what, at that moment in, in this life, what I had was a space that was hot, but it was a space. There was no toilets or anything. I thought that's a big problem. But I, God provided a couple of porta potties. Well, that's fixed. And within time, 
the, the lights came on and the water came on and we were, we were able to do it. But it, it's just like saying, okay, God, I don't know. Whatever it is, though, you can have it. John 6, 12, 13. Um, and so when they'd all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with a piece of the five barley loaves left over by those he'd seen. So, so you know, skipped up in the story there. So the disciples had said, okay, fine, here's the, I think that was the attitude. Fine, we're not going to eat, obviously. It's, you know, it's Jesus saying, give me the stuff. And what are you going to do? He's Jesus. So they hand over the five loaves and two fish. And trying to imagine the, the reaction when he, because Jesus started breaking bread and doing his thing, and he was handing it to the disciples, and, and he would put it in a basket, and so a disciple would go out with a basket and go to start feeding the crowd. They were grouped up all over the place, you know, groups of 50 or however they did it, and, it, and then another disciple would come, and he'd break that and send them out with a basket. Can you imagine walking out with a basket knowing what you started with, and you just fed that 50, and you have to go back? And Jesus would do the thing again, you get, and you go back with another basket full of 50, and you feed another group, and all these 12 guys were out there doing that, and they kept doing it and doing it until all of them had enough to eat. Can you imagine? Every single person there, thousands of people, they all had enough to eat out of this. And here's the cool part. When they, when they come back and gather what's left, how many baskets full do they get back? Twelve. How many of them was it? It was 12 of them. What did they learn? Give it to Jesus, he'll give it back in, in ways that you can't even imagine. They got a basket full back. They would have had a bite of a sandwich, and they get a basket full back, and they'd already eaten in the process. They got it all back. And so, you know, as the disciples share what they have with the crowd, what they're doing is extending mercy to people that are physically and spiritually hungry. And whenever we serve others, extending that kind of mercy, the cool thing is you get mercy back. And you get more than you started with, way more, because you get God's just going, here you go. Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Twelve full baskets, twelve full disciples, pretty cool stuff. That's God's economy, and there's nothing quite like it. There's something else that happens at the end of that story that's fascinating. And so fourth little point in your notes is, is who is the king? In particular in your life, who's the king? Don't say Elvis. I don't know why that popped out just then. John 6, 14 and 15. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Then you might wonder what's going on with that whole process, because I think it's very interesting. So the people, this crowd, have a, have a response that's not uncommon when we're not thinking in God's dynamic and we're thinking more selfishly. And so the phrase that's there, take him by force and make him king, is about people who want to use Jesus, not obey him. See, they, they want him to be a king and free them from the Romans, but a king is, is one who rules, not one who's ruled by others. And so Jesus is actually loving them well when, if we draw, when he withdraws from them. You see, we don't command Jesus to do what we want. He's the king. And, and we're to be asking what he wants from us because that's where we find life. And, and like the disciples who were telling Jesus to send the people away so they could eat instead of asking how they could serve those people. See, the, the response, the question was backwards. It was coming from a wrong perspective. You know, the question should have been, hey, all these people got to be hungry like us. What do we do, Jesus? 
And even he even fed them the line, you know. What, I, they, let's, what should we do about all these people that are hungry? They, they should have just said, let's feed them. Let's go. What are we going to do? Let's hear what's what we got. Let's, let's make it happen. And, and so they, they see, they, they, they got it backwards. Who's the king? This is what we want you to do, Jesus, instead of, Jesus, what do you want from us? And so, you know, we're to ask and pray all the time. Matthew 6.10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's why he teaches us to pray like that. What we want, you want. What, what, what is it that you want? What is it that we do because you want us to do that? Not what is it that we want you to do? And there's a big difference in the way that we look at it. And the, the real full and abundant life that we talk about all the time, uh, it's found in living his way, not our way. And so if, if he's your king, then, then make sure he's the one that's sitting on the throne of your life. We've talked about that. You make sure that he's the one that's in charge of your life. You keep surrendering it to Him. You keep asking Him to be on the throne of your heart. And when you ask Him, you take yourself off because that's sort of where we get there. And, and you know, I, I like that thing that, that I've been saying. Say it as you go out there. Lord, I just want to open the door and get out of the way. That's all I want to do in this life, Lord. Let me open the door to you. Get out of the way so you can do what you want to do. And so kind of take that this week and think about that and... and uh, um, it's an interesting time. And, and I think if we can just get our perspective changed, then we can see God doing amazing things. And we'll find life in it, a place of rest in our souls that will make a difference in the way that we walk through this thing and will impact people for Him, which is ultimately what we want to see happen. So uh, that's where I'm going to end it for today. If you're watching my video, thanks. We appreciate you doing that. Come and check us out when you can. And we'd love to have you here. If you need prayer, go to the website, and there's a prayer page. Fill that out. We'll be praying for you, and God bless you guys. We'll see you soon.